Welcome to Podcast 1017. This podcast will feature interviews with Drew's professionals who are experts in their fields and who will share their experiences and success stories. We hope the podcast will allow you to not only learn about various industries, but also inspires you to achieve your own version of greatness. Network 1017 knows the importance of a strong network and have made it our mission to provide you opportunities to build professional networks and to cultivate success within our community. This episode is brought to you by the generous donations of our sponsors, Nabil and Dad Al-Mashtoub, Wa'il and Diana Fayyad, Mike and Salam Ghaida. Thank you. Hey everyone, please give a warm welcome to our guest, Sarah Ba'aini. She's a technical leader at Electric Power Research Institute and is, and is a Druze community volunteer. So Sarah, first of all, thank you for joining us today. I am super excited to introduce you to, to all the Druze out there who's listening to us and most importantly, hear your story. So please, Sarah, share with us about how you first came to the United States because I know you weren't born here. So let's talk more about your childhood. Hi, Hadil, and uh, thanks for having me. Excited to participate in this. Um, yeah, so actually I was born in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and I lived there till uh, I was 11. So I went to school there till yeah, I guess, fifth grade, and um, then we moved to Lebanon. I thought we were moving there for good, but <laughs> that was for four years. So I, did, I studied sixth through ninth grade there, and then my family and I moved to Southern California, and... Um, and so I started high school in uh, in Orange County. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you guys came here. I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's because of uh, work reasons, because your parents, you know, had a job here. Is that what what the case was? Yeah, multiple reasons. Um, part of it, education. Yeah, circumstances. We had applied for a green card um, like ten years before that, mm-hmm. and so the paperwork came through, um, and it was it made sense at the time for us to transition. Um, and actually, when uh, when I was less than two, my dad had training in the U.S., so we came to the U.S. Uh, for a couple of years, and I, I learned English as a first language. So oh, yeah. English was my first language, and then we moved back to Saudi Arabia, and there I was learning English. But um, I think when I was six or seven, um, my parents were able to sign me up in uh, after-school Arabic classes. Mm. So I was learning Arabic. So by the time we went to Lebanon, I, you know, I was learning English, sorry, I was learning Arabic as a second language while most were learning English as a second language. So it took me a while to get kind of the, the languages up to par, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's essentially the story. But yeah, so some transitions, you know, personal, educational, uh, work-wise, all kind of combined together with the timing. That's amazing. That's and that's really good that you learned Arabic in your childhood growing up. So now it's obviously very beneficial to you as you as you you know as you are a community leader for our community. So that's amazing. Um, talk to me a little bit about so you have a very strong like educational back ac- academic background, like very strong. You have your bachelor's in general engineering, you also concentrated in psychology and then you went and you did your PhD in MS as well. Um, talk to me about what what made you want to focus on STEM education, and how did that uh, not only help your professional life, but your personal life as well? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I remember growing up, you know, when I was little, I think I wanted to be a teacher, because your role models are your teachers, and then as I got a little bit older, my dad was in business, I thought I wanted to be a businesswoman, (laughs) and then uh, slowly 
I think when I was in junior high and then high school, I just really liked math and sciences. And I didn't know about engineering until um, I think my uncles were sharing with me what they were doing in engineering. Mm. And it's all about taking things apart. And I, I like taking things apart and figuring out how does, how does this work or helping my dad with uh, things around the house. So he would have his toolbox that I enjoyed kind of these hands-on yeah. activities. And so in high school, this was when I was in Southern California, my, our physics teacher um, told us about this program called Cosmos. Mm-hmm. It's a math and science summer program that was hosted at UC Irvine. Mm-hmm. It's a four-week, uh, kind of like these college prep programs. So I was uh, really fortunate to be accepted into that. So a few of my classmates, you know, our, our physics teacher encouraged us, we applied. Um, they had also financial aid um, and scholarship opportunities. So that, I feel like that was an important uh, opportunity that helped shape or like introduce me to the opportunities with engineering. So that at Cosmos, this uh, math and science summer program, they had a, a track. You could choose which topics you're interested in. And I chose physics and engineering because that track was related to cars. And at the time, um, you know, when I was in Lebanon, I used to follow Formula One uh, car uh, race, you know, race okay, car driving. Cool. And so um, I thought at the time I was into cars. Or at least, you know, that was like the cool thing, right, to, to understand the fast cars and whatnot and the mm-hmm. motors. But uh, through that uh, cluster that I was in, I got to learn about the opportunities related to engineering careers. And that experience was also, you know, an opportunity to get prepared for college. So we had like a college writing class um, and it was a chance to, I lived on campus, so it was also, you know, slowly being away from home, I mean, it was like a, I don't say it was like a 20, 40 minute drive away from home, but like my parents and family could visit me every week. And so it was slowly kind of helping us prepare for what the college process was in the U.S. Um, and so I think like these resources are available. Mm-hmm. We don't always reach out to them, you know, or we don't, mm-hmm. are not always aware about them, but these mentors, you know, they come into your life, whether it's your teachers or family members or um, friends, and, and that's something I'm very grateful for. And I think, you know, mentors kind of come in different forms when you're trying to, you're, you're struggling. I mean, we're always this uncertainty, right? Like, what's the next step going to be? How am I going to figure out my life? Who right. am I going to be? So I would say I didn't know about engineering until that program. And when I applied to college, uh, so my aunt actually told me about the college to apply to, uh, which I, I went to Harvey Mudd College. It's a small liberal arts uh, college, um, which is part of the Claremont Colleges. So Harvey Mudd is a math, science, and engineering, one of the sister colleges. And um, and they are one of, I think there's only two or three uh, colleges that offer a general engineering program. Mm-hmm. So my, my aunt recognized that you know, I would benefit well from a small, um, you know, a small college um, experience mm-hmm. where I could have more interaction and time with uh, professors. And so it was a private college. So I also, you know, applied for um, scholarships and financial aid, and that really helped. Because yeah. um, I think the tendency, maybe a lot in our community as well, and I think we've seen that a lot in a lot of the immigrating communities, that people tend to go into community college right away because it's cheaper. Right. And then you apply to 
transfer. And while that's understandable, right, there's, you know, obviously everyone has like circumstances, but what I want to encourage people is to look at the four-year college opportunities because there is a lot of uh, fellowships or sorry, scholarships and financial aid options. Mm. Sometimes they're specialized. Um, so yeah, I'd be happy to kind of provide resources on that, but um, there are more resources in this country. I think, yeah, you kind of, you really have to kind of go out there and um, look for it. It doesn't always just fall mm. in your lap, so to speak, right? You really have to be a kind of a go-getter. Um, so I think that's like yeah. a long-winded answer, but to kind of, uh, combine, I guess, the multiple circumstances I had um, that enabled kind of the, the path I was in, mm. uh, the path I ended up taking. So when I applied to Harvey Mudd, you know, I applied to this general engineering program. And actually the summer I, I went, so after my aunt told me about the college, I did a college tour and then, you know, I was on their mailing list. And they have a club uh, called SWE, Society of Women Engineers. Mm-hmm. And they host a conference called the West Conference, Women Engineers and Scientists of Tomorrow. Oh, so wow. they reach out to, they, they host this like one day conference. They reached out to all the high schoolers in the area. This was in California? In Southern California, yeah. Okay. So this is Harvey Mudd College, like before I applied to it. Oh, okay. You know, before I even joined the college while I was still in high school, I learned about this conference. So I think it, I don't know if it was like my senior year of high school mm-hmm. that I got to attend the West Conference. And it was a one day workshop with the Harvey Mudd professors and students. And they also had these kind of interactive games or, uh, uh, kind of uh, little groups of mm-hmm. people, you know, uh, they had group activities, so to just expose us what engineering is about, you know, engineering design, um, actually one of the activities, I'm thinking we could use it for one of the Network 1017 uh, events, I'm, I'm hoping that'll be a good way of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting to learn about how to think in an engineering mindset or the skills. I love that. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's where, like, these opportunities just uh, introduce me to what what's out there. Um, and Harvey Mudd, I mean, has this general engineering program, but, like, then with your electives, mm-hmm. you can specialize if you wanted to. So, I at the time, and actually this started at Cosmos, mm-hmm. but at UCI they have the fuel cell um, center or fuel cell research uh, institute something like that Mm -hmm. and so I was interested in the environment essentially that was kind of my objective before I learned about engineering was I wanted to do something to help the environment and sustainability Mm -hmm. so that was kind of my motivating factor you know some people it's more into business or bio you know or med school but my track was really on the environmental side and so um at Cosmos, you know, I learned about fuel cells, there's alternative technologies, you know, what if you have a fuel cell driven, you know, uh, powered car. Um, So I learned when I applied to college, my interest was, okay, I wanted to study engineering so I could learn more about alternative and renewable technologies. Mm -hmm. And at at the time, my thought was, oh, I'm going to save, I'm going to solve the energy crisis you know? <laughs> right right my, like how i was going to save the world and i was going to go back to lebanon and we would 
all that have to have. Yeah, we need a lot of help in Lebanon, that's for sure. Extra, you know, power generators. That was kind of my, I don't want to say, kind of, yeah, I guess kind of naive view of, like, how I was going to fix things. But mm-hmm. I would say that was part of the passion and drive of, like, you know, we see all these problems and how can we be a positive contributing role to towards, you know, society, our community, and our countries. Um, so it sounds like you, you really spent a lot of time, before you started college, um, experimenting with this type of passion that you had at a young age, which I find, um, I, I wanted to po- um, kind of point out here, because I think that with a lot of parents that are listening to this, or even just, you know, young uh, young students, or even just anybody who's watching listening to this, just wanting to know more about engineering, or any career that you know, any career, right? You really spend time experimenting with something that you found interest in, and before deciding you wanted to commit to it for the next four years to five years to six years, or for the rest of your life, right? Um, so I find that very, um, very smart on your end because I think what a lot of young um, people have a hard time with is that they're always like, "Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things, and I just don't know which one to choose. And there's just so many options." Or someone would be like, "You know, I don't really know what I'm passionate about, and I'm, I'm having a really hard time figuring it out." I love that you said that you, at a young age, said, "Okay, I like this. I don't know if this is what I want to do, right?" But you've invested yourself into it and immersed yourself into it for quite some time to realize, "Yeah, actually, I do see myself doing this, and it does align with my goals." with the environmental um, things that you would you wanted to do and pursue, and you were able to continue that. So I, I really admire the fact that you did that at a young age because I think it really set you up for success now in your career, being able to just right. do really well. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and, I mean, I wouldn't have known that, right? Like, now in hindsight, it's easier to, it's easier to tell the story of how it happened. Right. But at the time, and, you know, a lot of us experienced this, okay, you know, we're... A lot of folks, whether they're in college, and it's like, what, what I'm, or even when you're in high school, what am I going to be? Or how do I apply to college? What major do I declare? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay not to know. And right. if anything, one thing I, I suggest a lot to people, sometimes, sometimes you just need to make a list of what you don't like, what you know you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, just be open to the possibilities and the, these questions, I would say, you know, interact with more people to get asked people like, oh, what's your work life like? You know, what is it that's driving you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say like, yeah, I think you summarized it nicely that my really the passion, the environmental, like sustainability aspect is what drove kind of my path. But along the way, I was learning about what are the skills that I would need. So I studied engineering. Um, because I wanted to be able to build things. I wanted to be able to solve problems, you know, build technologies mm-hmm. and get them commercialized and see them, you know, in use. Um, but also not just build any technology, technology mm-hmm. that would be beneficial, right, for society and for humanity. So that's something, right? It's just having a conscious of what you're doing, not just doing it uh, blindly. Um, and then I think what led me to do my, my master's and PhD was also stemmed from that same uh, kind of curiosity of like, okay, what are the skills I need to really make an impact? Mm. So really I would say my, what's driving me is like, how do I be a positive contributor and make a big, uh, make a a positive impact? Hopefully it's big, but that's not something in our control. Um, So actually during my 
uh, third year of college, mm-hmm. um, when I was at Harvey Mudd, I applied to a scholarship through our environmental program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to do a summer research at AUB. I went to the oh. American University of Beirut for the summer of 2005. Yeah, summer of 2005. How'd you like it? And, <laughs> you know, I wanted, my motivation really was, well, for one, I really want to go to Lebanon. But I also, I knew I couldn't waste my summer. Like, everyone's doing internships or summer research. And it's like, okay, well... How do I combine making this productive? Because right. like I'm almost, you know, my senior year. Like I had done a, some an internship the summer before, but I um, so I, I saw this opportunity through uh, you know an application, and um, I also part of my motivation of going to AUB was I wanted to experience what it had been like mm. had we not moved. Like mm. you know now. You know, it's like at the time when we lived in Lebanon, I thought I was going to go to school in Lebanon. I was going to go to university there. And so this was a great chance for me to, yeah, get a taste of what it could have, what it may have been like. Right. Um, And at the time... So what happened? Did you come back and you're like, okay, forget this? Everyone's feeding me too much? (laughs) Just kidding. uh, No, we we are very lucky. I would say, you know, it's it's really tough. Um, I mean... AV students and all you know students in Lebanon really like they there's a lot of pressure and you really have to yeah, yeah there's a lot of uh, let's say struggle but yeah people really have to make a, a lot more concerted effort to to realize their successes and I think it's a lot more readily available for us in in US uh, or kind of more tangible maybe yeah let's say it's tangible because we don't have to deal with kind of the corruption issues and um uh, just, so uh, just just uh, a very struggling country, basically. That that's not really supportive in many ways. I mean, I wouldn't say many ways, but it is harder to to pursue your uh, passions in Lebanon in many ways because of the the problems that are going on there. Versus here, it's more like you said, more tangible. Yeah, there there's a lot more that you have to navigate between. Right. It's not just like oh yeah, here's you know I'm competent for this role. No, there's more. Yeah, there's more politics to it, unfortunately. But um, that experience, I I mean, before I went to do that summer research experience, and again, this was between my third and fourth year, so I'm Mm -hmm. saying that just to highlight kind of the timing, um, where it's this other critical, like, okay, what's going to happen next, you know, next summer when I graduate, where am I going? At that time, I thought I wanted to get a master's in engineering, and I was going to get an MBA. That's what I, I knew I wanted to go to grad school. But I figured I'm just going to do a master's. And I, I uh, you know, thanks to my like dad's experience and what I saw, his work was all about. I was really interested in the business aspect as well. So I thought, you know, it's important to capture that somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, after my, I think it was a six or eight week uh, research um, program at AUB. And um, at the end of that, I realized, you know what, I really want to pursue a PhD. Like, I wanted to learn the skills to help me solve any problem, and and there's this uh, that that's when I saw, you know, through like working with the professors and the grad students there, I got to learn, you know, kind of there. It was the same thing where you get to you know ask people why they're studying what they're studying, what they're working towards. Um, I figured if I really want to make an impact, uh, I needed to get more like more skills. 
And that's the opportunity I saw with continuing, you know, doing a master's PhD program straight. So I felt very grateful that kind of there was a lot more clarity for me in my kind of steps. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it became clear cut each step of the way as I was, you know, working towards my, um, my goal, which was, again, driven by like, how do I make a positive impact for society? Um, And at the time, you know, I thought of myself, oh, I'm an engineer, but it's really like, okay, no, I'm a human being right. <laughs> with, with uh, <laughs> you know, training as an engineer to think like an engineer right. and identify the resources that will help me, you know, be a positive asset in society. So I think sometimes we get too much, um, uh, maybe we get I don't want to say limited by it, but we get kind of consumed by this, like, labeling, you know, Mm. that our career defines us. It's just one aspect of us. And when when we just, you know, think of ourselves back to, like, who we are and, you know, as a community, as a Druze, you know, member in the society and hopefully, you know, following the path, um, then that kind of, uh, then we're kind of getting back in tune with, you know, what's, what's the purpose of our soul mm-hmm. and what's the purpose of our, our journey in this, right. uh, in this lifetime. So, um, what career we choose is, is just an opportunity for us to, um, strengthen the skill sets we have. You know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses and ideally you, uh, identify opportunities that help strengthen the skills you have and, you know, build on the ones that are, you know, a little bit weaker. Um, but everything, I mean, the, the other nice thing I really enjoy about engineering, it's, it's very team. Um, there's a lot of teamwork. So I'm very social. I really like, you know, it's not just about working with technology and getting your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's uh, being able to brainstorm and have creativity in design and, and connecting with people. So, um, that was another aspect, right? Like the humanity aspect that, you know, people tend to think of STEM that it's just, okay, all this technical, like math, science, and uh, maybe dry to some, but actually it can be creative too. And, and I think that was another advantage of my college experience because it's a liberal arts school. So a third of my coursework was in the humanities. So I got to have, I feel it was like a well-rounded um, education that mm. it's yeah you know kind of tied back to the human aspect of our uh, of our work. I like that you said that because um, it also sounds like what you've what you've mastered and taken from your engineering background and improved on skill wise was able you were able to also take it person in your um, personal life as well because I mean I, I truly believe you know your business life and your personal life do go hand in hand in many ways and whatever you've mastered in your business life it can also be taken in your personal life as well if you're able to be disciplined in your business you're able to be disciplined in your personal life right vice versa and and uh it sounds like taking what you were able to enjoy in your personal life and implement it in your in your business life with the whole social aspect and creativity and innovation that you brought with also environment environmental perspectives it seems like it really helped you prosper in many ways yeah, I, I think so, and I'm very yeah, grateful for, uh, I, I mean, that success, I would say, you know, hopefully it's a success or prosperity, I mean, that's 
would say subjective, right, based on how people view it. But really, yeah, very grateful for my parents that have been supportive. Um, you know, they they've that's crucial, right, to have that support in your family. That uh, you know, it's not common, as we know, to have women in engineering in general, and let alone in our community. And it's been really nice to see that there's been more. Uh, women engineers in the Druze community and yeah. also making an impact in their um, in their way, um, and you know also yeah my, my parents God obviously yeah. <laughs> having a strong sense of faith is is crucial I would say in, for anyone like it doesn't mm. matter not just about our career right so right. Um, just yeah I think kind of being in touch with our purpose um, and so I feel like as a Druze community member right like. We're, that's like part of our culture is really it's defined by our faith mm. um, and hopefully we learn more about it and practice it and that you know the impact of that shows up in our life whether it's professional personal etc so. how have you found that how have you been able to implement what you've learned in your faith into your professional life how has that helped how has that helped you yeah, I'd say, I mean, it's the, it's the driving principles, right? Like how you treat, treat yourself, treat others. Um, if at the end of the day, uh, you know, remember that God sees, God sees us. So it's not about, um, yeah, it's, it goes back to the intention, the truthfulness, right? I mean, all the pillars of our, our faith, mm-hmm. essentially that if that's defining your day to day, uh, mindset, and um, I mean, I would say that to me uh, is kind of the driving um, factor. You would say, yeah, that's my. I would say that essentially defines kind of. I would say my identity. Mm. So our faith is what defines my identity, and so that's why I feel like my professional life is just something. That, um, as part of practicing my faith, I need to excel at whatever I do, mm. whether that's doing my job, whether that's being a sister, a daughter, um, you know, hopefully a spouse, you know, a mother, etc. that, um, it, it gives you the perspective to handle whichever role you're in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would say, you know, the success of it is really just driven by how much we really connect with God, um, through prayer and, and practice and being connected with our community. Right. So, I love that. That's very beautiful and well said, Sarah. Thank you. And I guess I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know we have a few minutes left, but I do want to add, ask one or two more questions about your, about your path. Um, one is, you know, why did you choose the PhD route and just adding more education to your, um, to your belt? Is it because you wanted to, um, is it because you wanted to master, you felt like that was going to help you master your engineering skills? Or did you find that it was a good, more so of a network purposes? Why go that route and so deeply into the um, academia? Yeah, so when I was uh, doing the summer research program at AUB, and it was a research project uh, to test a more efficient HVAC system for hot, humid climates. So, you know, Beirut, for example, is hot and humid in the summertime. So it's like, okay, if you can make an AC system that uh, is more efficient, uses, you know, less energy and so provides comfort, um, they had a design and we were testing that. So that was my opportunity there. But I realized that it's like, well, if, if there's 
more technologies, you know, if the technology is not complete or there's more, you know, there's so many problems that it really requires a deeper dive. Mm-hmm. So I saw the opportunity with the PhD as a way to get the skills to help me, like, how do you do the deeper dive? Mm. Um, and I didn't pursue the PhD to be in academia. So that wasn't my primary objective. Like, I thought, you know, okay, having the PhD gives me the chance to be a professor at some time, but that wasn't my primary purpose. I really wanted to do research. Uh, I wanted to research or develop technologies, mm-hmm. and I would say at my current job, I, I'm really fortunate to be able to do that. I get to work with a lot of startups mm-hmm. and so um, and push their those technologies through for commercialization by addressing kind of the, the research gap or the kind of technology gaps. Um, so I feel like it, it allowed me to be a mediator between academia. So when you have new technologies that are, uh, or new ideas and inventions coming out of um, academia or the labs, and but how do you push them to the commercial, uh, to the marketplace? I kind of, I get to be that liaison uh, in my current role. Um, which is very exciting. And then you're also, you're always at the cutting edge. So the other thing I would say with a PhD is that you get to always work on the latest thing. Mm. Um, and that was actually advice my, my PhD advisor gave me. He said, you know, just expect, uh, because as a, once you have a PhD, you really want to be on the cutting edge, expect that, the, you know, you're not going to stay in any specific job very long because you always want to kind of do the latest. Right. And I would say at my current job, I've been there for four years, that um, I'm always seeing the new stuff, so I could stay at the same company doing, uh, kind of seeing the the new emerging cool um, companies and technologies. So yeah. I like that. that. No, no, it does answer it. It, it, it gave me a good pers- and it made me understand better. It, it gave you two, it gave you two different perspectives, and you were able to combine it in order to mediate and figure out you know, how to solve certain problems and how to give better guidance when people came to you with certain solutions as well. So it, it makes perfect sense. Um, it definitely made you more well-rounded in your in your field as well, which I can tell. That's awesome. <laughs> well, my, my, one of my last questions is, um, what do you want to, what do you, I mean, being a woman in engineering, what would you like to see more in other women as they go, especially Drew's women, as they get into engineering, what would you like to see more of? in the near future? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think uh, it's not just women in engineering. I would say women in STEM, right? So right. science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, math. So um, since they're male-dominated, and you know, obviously no uh, no offense, <laughs> yeah. but it's just that because now we're, we're a minority within um, and as you know, Drew's community, we're also a minority. So it's yeah. uh, it's how do you you know learn stand out too? How do you navigate right the right. waters? And um, there's a few things, right? Number one is finding your voice. How do you be able to uh, have the courage? That's something you know we always want to try to be able to be courageous mm-hmm. um, and express ourselves and you know feeling confident. That's something I feel like. Uh, can take time or just depends on the person, their personality. Um, but that was something I feel like it took me, you know, it's, and continues to, you know, take time to grow in that when, um, when you don't have as many peers that are similar, kind of in a uh, uh, similar background. So uh, 
I think the way I navigated it was because I, I mean, in uh, at Harvey Mudd in undergrad, I was part of SWE, so the Society of Women Engineers. So I was, you know, you find your support groups. Mm-hmm. So I would say, as advice, is find, you know, find your support group. They don't have to be, you know, all. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I didn't really get to meet the Jews. Uh, women engineers until a lot later or more recently thanks to network 1017 and seeing kind of the outreach that's happened through that but um at the time like SWE I got to you know network more with my professors I did take on a leadership role I was um uh, one you know part of the board I got to be a co-chair so got to organize the west conferences a few times and Mm -hmm. Um, you know, mentor and be mentored that way. So similarly, in grad school, uh, they had GLEE, which was the Graduate Women of Engineering. So that was another support group. And we only had, I think, two female professors in the mechanical engineering department. And I also reached out to one of the professors there with, you know, things I was struggling with, how to kind of communicate, um, yeah, how to communicate and, like, share, you know, uh, or address, like, challenges, um, whether it was related to my research or navigating, like, you know, which topic am I going to be or how do I, how do I know which path I want to be in? So that question always comes up. And mm-hmm. um, so I would say finding the mentors, again, they don't have to be women engineers. I, I did reach out to other professors and even my colleagues, my lab mates. Um, mentors are really crucial. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's someone in your life that could, like, you consider them a mentor, but they have no idea (laughs) you're their mentor, right? Um, But you value just, uh, you know, you you learn from how they're addressing situations and challenges and remember that you're not alone. I think that was a big lesson I learned in grad school when I, the things that I was like struggling with with my research and then I started sharing that with my grads, um, with my uh, lab mates, uh, then I learned, like, well, everyone's actually mm-hmm. struggling with the same thing, but no one, right. you know, wanted to share that or wasn't sure. Rather, sometimes, like, you're just not sure, uh, you know, is it just you? And most times you'll realize you're not alone. Um, so reach that. out. Talk to people. <laughs> talk <laughs> to the community. Sometimes you feel it's, you're being vulnerable, but actually, you know, it's always appreciated. And you build, you know, good, um, strong relationships that way, right? So. Mm-hmm. I love that, and um, and now you know if any woman is listening to this, or even male, it doesn't matter. You know, you can reach out to Sarah. You know, she seems like she's been in this field for so long and has experienced a lot and and uh, knows so much that I think she can be a great mentor as well. So, um, there's an option there. <laughs> yeah, I know that we all have issues and problems and challenges we're struggling with, and we we tackle them in different ways. So hopefully. Some of the paths I tried work for others, uh, but I'd also love to learn how others are learning, mm. you know, dealing with theirs. So I'll welcome it on the other way. I'm always up for learning. I love it. I love it. So you heard it best. If you're an engineer, reach out to Sarah as well. Maybe you guys can sh- um, share some notes. <laughs> uh, one last question for you, Sarah. Uh, and this is the last one, I promise. Um, what's one truth you've discovered on your path that you would like to share with everyone? I know it's it's a hard question. So take your time. (laughs) 
one truth I've discovered along my path is um, it, humility is really crucial. Uh, and that, I would say, you know, that's also driven from a faith perspective that uh, we can't do things on our own. And it's, it's not us, right, that are, uh, like, we, we, we tend to want to be in control and think we, we're in command and, yeah, we figured it out, but um, just kind of be a tool. Recognize that, you know what, I'm just a contributing um, asset mm-hmm. to the world and hopefully I'm a positive asset. So I think when we come back to that, uh, recognize that and kind of uh, gives us that uh, humility um, standpoint, then then it's easier to deal with stuff because it's easier when you say, I don't know, and you remember that, yeah, I, I really don't know. All this education, I really don't know much. No. Um, and, you know, you learn with others and, you know, always pray and connect with God to guide you. Um, so I would say that humility is, is a kind of a crucial thing to fall back on, um, all the time. I love that you said that because recently I was, uh, I was talking to one of my uncles and he's like a great mentor to my, to me. I always ask him questions about business and one day I asked him, I was like, you know, I'm more like, you know, should I do this or should I go this path or what should I do? I'm so confused. You know, I just started asking him a ton of questions and at first I was very like, uh, embarrassed to ask because, you know, sometimes you don't want the ones that you love the most to see you at a vulnerable state or that you don't know what you're doing and um and then you know in the end of the conversation I was really happy for him like it made me it made me feel kind of almost validated me in a sense where he said in the end he was just like you know I'm happy you asked me questions because that just tells me um you're gonna be you're gonna be very successful in the end because you're just asking a ton of questions you're not embarrassed about it and then you know it it was very encouraging because it just pushed me to be more vulnerable with people and ask the right questions and be able to handle that. So I'm really happy you said that because I think that's a very important trait in your path to success when you want to uh, when you want to really excel in your career and in your and what you want to do. So um, I really loved your advice and the truth that you gave. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. No, this has been a great opportunity, <laughs> and I appreciate uh, sharing. And I look forward to learning from everyone else in the community too perfect perfect sarah listen i just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and from from with network also from network 1017 thank you for being on this podcast and i can't wait to share it with everybody look forward to seeing you hopefully soon yes yes all right guys stay tuned for the next episode and if you need to reach out to sarah just you can find her on i think linkedin is what you said was good yep linkedin so So LinkedIn is. All right, guys. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care. See you later. See you.